Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb. Here's John Davis welcoming you to our MotorWeek podcast. Are you sure it's 205? Does not sound like John. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm still fighting a uh, case of laryngitis, but um, that's why you won't hear too much of me today. But you will hear, and you already have, writer producer Brian Robinson. Hello. And our road test producer Ben Davis. Hello. And our online content coordinator Craig Carlos. Hey, hey. Okay, we've got a lightning round. If you're a question and a rant and rave, but we're going to start with some of the cars we've driven lately. And um, Brian, you just recently went to Sardinia for the Porsche 911 Speedster. What a gorgeous machine. Tell us about it. Yeah, there have been many uh, Speedsters uh, prior to this. Uh, If you don't know the formula, it's special edition uh, 911s, basically, going all the way back to the uh, original Sportster, um, sorry, Speedster, which I, I found an interesting story. That was actually an American, the American importer really? that came up with that. Huh. And he went to the importer in New York and he went to Ferry Porsche and like totally sketched out the car and told him exactly what he wanted. It. And uh, Porsche was like, you know, uh, that's great, but we would need to sell like five of those a year to make it worth our effort. And he was like, "If I don't sell five of them a week, it's not worth my effort." <laughs> and so that's how the that's original story. Yeah, that's how the original speed, uh, Speedster came to be, and they've had many throughout the years. This is, but this is the first one that was done by the GT House, as they call it there in Porsche. The same people that put together the GT threes and GT twos and all those. So it's loosely based on the GT three. Uh, some slight suspension uh, differences uh, using the touring package from the GT3. Uh, but it's got a, also a different version of the 4-liter engine. Uh, the Euro version has a particulate filter. And when they added that, uh, they made some adjustments to the intake to keep horsepower about the same. And it actually increased it up to 509 in the Euro version. But uh, we don't get that. We do get the upgraded intake. Uh, so it's up to 502 horsepower now. Um, a particulate filter yes. on a gasoline engine. Yes. That's a Euro thing now. Is it? Yes. Wow. It's big too, right? It is It yeah. is huge. Yeah. They had to modify the exhaust as well to make it all work. And, and they have to be serviced. What's the, uh, okay. They, don't they? I mean, the, the, I don't know. I, I don't live in do. Europe. I think but. the particulate filters certainly on diesels have to be. That's uh. why the back of the 2020 911 is so big. Uh, okay. Uh. Well, we're learning all kinds of things today. Glad you're along for the ride. Anyway, uh, it's got the six-speed manual only uh, from the GT3. Um, and it is uh, a manually operated, mostly manually operated cloth top. It still has a power lock uh, on the header. The windshield's cut down a little bit. You wouldn't really notice it uh, unless someone told you that. A um, lot more carbon fiber on the body panels to take some weight out. Um, ultimately, it's just uh, the only way you can get a... Drop top uh, GT3, and uh, it's amazing to drive. The throttle response is actually quicker from those uh, uh, throttle bodies, so it doesn't feel faster, but uh, coming out of corners, it's a little more responsive. Uh, Other than that, uh, it's just an amazing uh, car. It's really spectacular to see. It looks beautiful as well. They're limited to 1,948, which I think is a high number. Uh, some of the speedsters over the years have been limited to just a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. One year there was only two 
uh, made. Um, so that number seems a little high as far as future collectible, but obviously the 1948, uh, which celebrates the 70 years of Porsche. And just to note, this is on the 991.2 chassis outgoing, not the new 2020 mm. chassis. So collectible $275,000 price to start. Correct. And that's without AC. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to make it strictly a performance version, although you can add AC back as a no-cost option, which is amazing to me because I don't think those words have ever been said at Porsche before, <laughs> no-cost option. And another in the Euro version is different as well. That, uh, you can get comes without the PCM, huh. um, really? you know, no nav, touchscreen, or anything. Uh, they can't do that here in the U.S. because of the backup cam requirements. Mm. So uh, limited to, like I say, and then, you know, buyers can also get a limited edition watch to go on top of it. So pretty back to basics for them, I guess. Yeah, they wanted to stress, yeah, more like the original, um, you know, a car made for performance mm. driving. Mm. Yes. Mm. Did you talk about the hair? What is it? The heritage edition? heritage edition yeah. is silver and white, which is like the original race cars were. It's got actual numbers on the side. Um, I wasn't so big on that. It looks a little goofy, uh, but the interior is actually better. It comes with like a brown leather interior versus the black. I think the interior looks uh, a lot better. But yeah. I wasn't sure if I was the only one who felt that way because I saw and just I guess I mean. You have to like really, really be into Porsche racing history to really appreciate it. Correct, I think. and that one I think is twenty five thousand or so more for the Heritage Edition. That so. that may be your real collectible, though. You said how much more? I think it's twenty five grand more, and, it, and they're doing it based on. Do they have a set amount? No, no, no whatever based people. On their, okay. Yeah, they're all going to be built. So to theoretically, nineteen hundred and forty eight people could all buy that. Uh, yeah, correct. They're going to build them to order. I think dealers started taking orders this week. They won't get delivered till end of the summer, early fall. Um, well, there you go. Cool. Just in time for a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to our second vehicle. This one we've all had a chance to drive, the 2019 Acura MDX A-Spec. Not really a performance vehicle, but a nice sporty addition to a very, very good SUV. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, you pretty much nailed it on the head. Um, It's for somebody who wants to give the appearance of sportiness, but not necessarily have the harsh ride and the super fast engine. I mean, I don't think it even has any horsepower gains, does it? Yeah, even Acura calls it a sports appearance package. Yeah, and that's and that's credit. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's it's something that there's a market for. you actually get some wider 20-inch wheels and I think some, like, blacked-out trim on the outside. And A-Spec, I guess, is kind of a cool name. You could say I have an MDX A-Spec. And, and it's some unique color choices. That blue we had. You yeah, it's a nice A-spec. blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah good-looking package. Inside, um, you know, Acura Refinement, uh, I think they've kind of upped their game a little bit. Uh, certainly more luxurious than what you would get in a Honda, which is obviously what they want. And, uh, yeah, just overall, I think just something a little bit extra for an MDX that I guess is a little bit older now or not old, old, but yeah, we were talking last podcast about how quickly uh, manufacturers are making changes. Now this is actually the, the fourth time we've yeah. tested this chassis MDX when, when it came out. And if you remember, it had that real uh, ugly shield. Yeah. Grill. Shield grill. And then, like within two years, they came out with a new grill. Then they came out with the, 
sport hybrid version we tested that and now we're just testing this one so and they're calling this like a mid-cycle right? yeah, yeah. Well, no this is just an a-spec version yeah. this is not even a the only change other mdx's i think get updated transmission a couple of minor changes right. but yeah this is mainly just about being the a-spec version but. Yeah, i think the nine speed is standard now on the mdx mm-hmm. so that makes what so RDX has an A-spec, TLX has an A-spec. Yeah, they said, what was it, four or five years ago mm-hmm. that they were going to have an A-spec version of everything, like copying M or AMG or whatever. Or F-Sport Lexus. Yeah, some, sounds more exclusive. Some actually have F-Sport, a little though. performance advantage, but yeah, like I said earlier, they're straight up with this one. They just call it a sport appearance package. But let me back up. Is this, because this basic vehicle has been around so long, is it still competitive? I would say more, you know, more than competitive. I mean, it's always been roomy. And uh, it handled better than half the competition already. So, yeah, I would, I would say so. It was very pleasant to drive, I thought. Made you feel a little bit less like you were in It still SUV. has the old-school two-screen Acura setup yeah, that they had for a hot is, minute there. Um, not, not a huge fan of that. That part is, <laughs> could stand to be overhauled. As far as – I mean, it's comfort alone, I think, is worth it, it's depending on what you want from a car. I mean, it's one of the more comfortable SUVs. I mean, forget segment. Just It's just a really comfortable – SUV. Benny, you had more chance driving it under pressure than anyone else. Under pressure. <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything that's been said here, and I uh, admire the um, – I mean, it's easy just to throw around a name and a, and a package and not really have a whole lot of uh, of stand behind it, but I think it's cool that they have exclusive colors and exclusive uh, wheels and stuff. Um, it just lets uh, an Acura buyer – be a little more exclusive than your average Acura buyer, and there's plenty of room for that. I got in it, and I have to say, I I did not, except for the twin uh, infotainment screens, it did not feel dated in any way, which I thought was pretty amazing in this day and age. We're going to move along and do something a little different for our third slot on this show. We're going to talk about our long-term vehicles, vehicles that we get in here to drive anywhere from three months to a year and um, do kind of a a quick rundown on them. Greg, why don't you kind of take us through our long-termers and everybody just sort of chime in and talk about them. Sure. I'll probably start with two that just left us. Um, One of them is the Crosstrek, which we actually had a 2017 for a year, Mm -hmm. and then we just had the 2018 for a year. So we actually got to see – uh, I have a very good comparison between the two generations, and I'm probably not the uh, only one who says it's quite a leap between the two, uh, especially with interior refinement. Um, I don't know how everybody else felt about it. Yeah, that. interior refinement definitely uh, was better. Ride quality is better. Everything, it even threw in a little extra power, but they could have thrown in a little more extra power. Yeah, that's one thing I think everybody agrees right. with here is that it's just. It's a little underpowered when it's paired with that CVT. Um, Part of it is it's such a sporty little vehicle. You're just expecting a little bit. Yeah, more I think, it. yeah, it might even be a mental thing where you're expecting more. Uh, but we got a lot of use out of it. Um, one thing that I noticed actually just recently before it left was how wide the hatch opened, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you're loading something and you're as tall as I am, if most hatches are in your face, this one was like way out of the way. So it was nice <laughs> throwing some stuff in the back. Um Another thing, another car that just left, truck, I should say, Ram 1500, which um, we got a lot of use out of that. A lot yeah, of people wish that picking the litter, too. Yeah, so. I wish that would have yeah, that left. That's the second Ram we've had where we were just, like, really upset when it left because it's one of the best, if not the best, driving pickup trucks. 
Fuel economy was not great. It left at 15.9, but it also has the Hemi V8. Yeah, that's the first long-term Hemi that I think we've had. We usually have the V6s when we uh, get rid of Complain about turns, power, but... too, when we have the 6s. This had plenty. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was um, not so fuel efficient, but super nice inside. We got to experience that big tablet-style screen, which was new for them this year. Um, again, it was expensive, 60 65 65 so it's not a cheap truck and i think we kind of have to keep that in mind when we're talking about this but um (laughs) that truck is so comfortable i mean getting on the highway and just setting the cruise control in that thing uh it's like a luxury car so much different than you know we have a ranger in right now and just the difference between a half ton and a mid-size pickup truck in terms of ride quality it's pretty uh pretty crazy um we also have let's see what one two three four cars in right now uh nero phev um that is right now i guess what do you think and we've we have driven the the nero ev and we obviously had the the standard nero i mean Mm -hmm. where does the phev stand in your eyes compared to those other two Feels in terms like of like diff- value, feels like or- a different car than the standard compared to the regular hybrid. Yeah, it's much uh, more refined inside. Uh, it's you know not the most fun car to drive, but super roomy and practical and almost comforting to drive. Mm-hmm. We're averaging close to sixty mpg. Um, I think we're actually in the process of another update, but the last update was fifty-seven and a half, right. which is with the plug-in, and that's twenty-some miles of range, I believe. Yeah, and we keep it plugged in pretty regularly. A lot some of some people, trips. some people just yeah. plug it like it's. We try. Well, it's, it's easy. Well, <laughs> we have a plug-in. <laughs> the problem is, is we get so many plug-ins these days. It's we We've start only fighting got, for we only plug got a couple space. of chargers. So. Yeah. Um, Mazda 6 will be with us for probably another month, and that's just one that everybody likes to drive because it's a Mazda. What a nice sedan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, you know, the last comment I had on it was that we expect Mazdas to drive well, that, that, that it has a good powertrain, it, it handles well, but what they focused on recently is just the upscale premium interior which is ours is a signature edition yeah, which signature, is new yeah. for mazda 6 yep. they're running it through uh the trim or through each model is, uh, every year it gets a new signature but yeah I, that's one i hadn't sometimes you know you're in and out of cars or whatever i hadn't driven that in like months but i've been in it a couple times this this last week and uh, you forget how nice it really does drive yeah and it just again we've had it for almost a year and i don't think there's any difference in how it drove day one as it does now um insight the honda insight another hybrid for us 41.2 miles per gallon Uh, that's another one that gets quite a bit of use i will say um as solid as the car is it is a little bit annoying to drive on the highway i don't know how much time anybody's had in it i took it on a 600 mile one way uh, trip and i was expecting it to be a little noisy because of the cvt but actually it was the car was so rock solid, I didn't notice it after about the first half an hour. So, I could it, see very more useful than I expected because it's it's a basic Civic size. Yeah, it sits really low too. Yeah, it's sporty for sure. Um, it's and, a huge trunk, and it is very nice cruiser. Yeah, and finally the uh, Volkswagen Jetta R line, um, another one of our Volkswagens that we get in for around three months at a time. This is. Uh, the R-Line really is another one of those appearance packages we were talking about. Just makes it look a little sporty. Um, but Such a nice car. Yeah, well, I, I really enjoy driving it. 32.2 miles per gallon right now. We have three sedans right there that 
if you really have not driven a sedan in a long time, the, the Mazda 6, the Insight, and the Jetta R-Line, they just show you why sedans should be in more favor than they are today. Yeah, you know what? I golf pretty often, and I forget. What's your handicap? I don't even know how much time means. I just think you're supposed to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more, too, too much to count. Um, but yeah, just we get so many SUVs, and I'm so used to trying to like even the, the small ones and even some of the midsize ones. It's not super easy to put your clubs in there. You end up having to put a back seat down. But with most sedans, you just throw it in the trunk and off I go. So, you know, that's that's my uh, my vote for a, a sedan right there. Here, here. Thanks. Let's move on to our lightning round. I'm going to turn to Ben to kind of <clears throat> read the question that we supposedly have about 30 seconds to comment on, but we never watched it. Give or clock. take, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Finally, after years, um, years of speculation, a mid-engine Corvette is going into production. In fact, we will be at the official unveiling this summer. That's you, J.D., right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think it would actually happen? No. <laughs> now, that is kind of uh, an up-in-the-air question. Well, now that it is, how do you feel about it, despite not knowing performance numbers or pricing? I mean, front engine and now we're mid-engine. I mean, Corvette. Who wants to take it? <laughs> I, I, I thought you were taking it. Yeah, I thought that was Oh, I'm answer. sorry. Well, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, you know, I'll, so, I'll take it then. How do I feel Let's about you start. it? I don't know how I feel about it. I love front engine Corvettes, and they've taken them so far. I mean, they haven't really the, – the same basic uh, recipe is still there. You still have the transverse leaf spring right over the back, or do you? I mean, maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah, you do. But it. I'm a little confused. My understanding is they're going to keep – are they or are they not going to keep making – the, 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 the to me, that was the whole point of when this last gen came out, calling it the Corvette Stingray. Right. That way it would be a separate model than the mid-engine Corvette, which was, I think, at the time supposed to be out like four years ago. But uh, it is finally coming out now. So I think there will be two lines, yes. Um, it seems to me that they've been after trying to make the you know Corvette sort of like a multi-vehicle thing for as, almost as long as we've been on the air, and they're finally doing it. But this is going to be a much more expensive car. Yeah, I will certainly drive it and hopefully enjoy <laughs> doing so, but I just don't know. It just seems to me like they're just chasing after people they don't need to be chasing after. You know, mm. it just seems like the Corvette's so iconic and... There's so many people who just want the front engine standard Corvette, and I don't know. But just... sales are way down, as they are on all sports cars. And so I think they're looking at how to, how can we fill up this factory and expand the line and make it more prestigious at the same time. Is it my generation's fault again? All we want no. are mid-engine cars. And I think it's everybody <laughs> just wants an SUV. <laughs> Cell phones. Cell phones. Bloggers. Guys. Regardless of how long they, they keep the, the front-engine car in, um, in production, I, I'm actually excited about seeing you know, the new car because it has been something they've been talking about for, I mean, I can't remember when they weren't talking about it. So. It wasn't it, the original concept, Corvette? Wasn't that a mid-engine, the original concept? Or am I thinking of some other car? Why wasn't there like a Serve 3 in the 80s that was a mid-engine? They've done some mm-hmm. mid-engine concepts yeah. along the way. They had one in the Transformers movie that was a 
like a prototype, early prototype, like five years ago. They're probably something. showing how much we don't know about Corvette I, I history. I feel like when they unveil it in the summer, it's going to be like, here it is, shut up. <laughs> Stop <laughs> asking about it. <laughs> Round taillights? No, sorry. They're not, never coming back. Well, you know it's going to be a, a, a terrific performer for the money. So it's, the question is just how much and how exclusive. Okay. Viewer question. Uh, Brian Robinson, would you like to take Thank this? Thank you for giving me this long question to read. Right up my alley. How do, uh, how to, it says. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Andre, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's something in Lost and Translation here. Uh, how to uh, the car companies uh, choose the car names? I think, yeah, he was actually, I, I'm sure it wasn't serious, but he also asked, like, is there, like, just an algorithm oh. that they use? Well, interesting story. This has not, not necessarily car names, but uh, I was at a event. This was, like, not pre-internet, but before Google was, you know, as ubiquitous as it is now. Uh, this certain car company had a program where you could type in, like, three attributes of something you wanted to express, and it would then make up a word. That's how they come up with, like... So that I got Venza? <laughs> yeah, Venza, like Triton engines, and uh, EcoBoot. I mean, those are all made-up words. Uh, so they typed in these three... It was specifically they wanted to name an engine, and they typed in these three attributes, and the word it spit out was Juice Whip. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to put. I'd like to type in your attributes and then oh just to, like a nickname generator. I'm sure you can do it on Google now. So, but anyway, say, old man. I'm not, so I'm not sure what that helps you, Andre. But I think they just make stuff up, right? Well, it depends on what what they're after. A lot of them still like to go back for nostalgic names, even if it's not their nostalgic name, and you know something that's no longer in use, and they'll try and borrow it. We've seen that a lot. But what gets me is when they, you know, the alphanumeric stuff, it just uh-huh. doesn't make any sense in most cases. It did. How are and people? It's just gotten yeah. so convoluted. And especially when they constantly change it. Yeah. Uh, like when brands, uh, BMW, that Cadillac, the numbers used Infinity. to be associated with the engine, and then now they're just. Oh, what about Infinity? No relevance at all. Yeah. Infinity just really shook everything up. Yeah, it's like every time they get a new head guy at one of these car companies, they change the names. And that's that's doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So I think I guess the answer is that the people who use alphanumeric are trying to make some sense of it. And the reason they do it is because of the global reach of their cars. And then the, those who still use names, like even Porsche with the new Taycan and, you know, mm-hmm. Cayenne and everything, I feel like they they have, like, a general theme that they're going for, and then they just kind of right, try to stick with a, it. Right, they find yeah, extinct uh, Arab tribe from Africa. <laughs> they just go to dictionary.com or thesaurus. There's some strange ones out there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, think, I think we beat that one to death. Okay, any rant and raves this week? I ran last time. Yeah, Somebody silence, else. Silence settles over the table. Uh, I'm good. Oh, my goodness. Really? I think I do. Um, I'm wondering how much more influence video games are going to have over everyday driving. Because every time I get on a crowded highway, there's at least one or two. And they're usually pretty young drivers. You know, doing a slot car thing between traffic. Oh, I had and, one today. Oh, my God. You know, you're just thinking... Do they just think they're immortal? And the answer is probably yes, uh, because it's very discouraging to – you You can't drive just looking ahead and behind you. It's a 360-degree situation now. 
And I wish there was some solution to it, but I don't seem to have one. Just be thankful there's uh, all kinds of uh, interactive software yeah. these days. Well, yeah, it's, you know, I demonstrated the, um, what is it, blind spot view blind in the spot. Telluride. So it actually has like a video monitor. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who get upset because they think it'll make everybody lazy and that nobody will ever use the mirrors and blah, 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 blah. And I guess I understand the argument, but it's not like Key is trying to replace side view mirrors. It's just an extra aid They're to help giving you. you more information. Oh, right. What, yeah. the, the right-hand view uh, monitor that's in a most you know, yeah. upper-level Honda. Which loving rid of, actually. Love it. Oh, no. Such, really? Do you like it? So, so great. All right, well, well, here's the question. I, I don't like it, <laughs> so but great. I found it useful. Yeah, well, My first impression so was great. negative. But then you yeah, I understand that it is useful, but I like what Kia did, and they put it in the gauge cluster. Right. To so me, that's just how I so You don't have to look things. away. Yeah, so exactly. much greater, but still great. It yeah. is smaller, though, compared to the, you know, Honda one. Yeah, and it's also both sides of the car. It's yeah. not just the your passenger side. So maybe it's just an idea that's evolving. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years down the road, it might be standard. And we won't even be driving anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, according to some. The robot will be using it. All right, thanks. We're going to bring this uh, session to a close, thankfully. Uh, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, has made us all sound as well as good as possible, although Jim is not uh, responsible for any errors in what we say. Our podcast producer, Greg Carlos, he is responsible. And our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, who uh, basically had no idea what he was thinking of when he came up with this idea. Thanks very much. Who would like to take this out? Brian? Oh, I'll take it yeah, home. You know. <laughs> Be sure and tune in and watch us on all the usual spots, as well as check us out on the internets. And uh, thanks for uh, watching and tuning in. And see you soon. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com rockauto.com and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.